Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've uh, got a great show for you this evening. Uh, we're going to be starting off, uh, of course, with our usual Coach's Corner panel discussion. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by Ian Zubkoff. He is the Executive VP for uh, Superstroke Golf. Uh, he'll be joining me a little bit later on the broadcast, and i um, looking forward to uh, having a great discussion with him as well. Uh, also, uh, this has been kind of an off week. I just got back from holidays, so things got a little bit uh, uh, disjointed, to say the least. And uh, we didn't have a, a Tuesday Women of Golf show this week, uh, but I did actually have an extra Golf Talk Live, which aired yesterday, a special encore presentation uh, featuring uh, Charlie Reimer, uh, former PGA uh, Tour professional, and now the executive VP of McLemore, which is a great uh, resort up in the Lookout Mountain area of Georgia, a really great uh, facility, which I got to visit uh, a few months ago. And uh, also joining him was the uh, director of marketing, uh, Conley Crimmins, and uh, my good buddy and friend, uh, PJ Master Professional and Senior Editor and Top 25 Instructor, John Hughes. So we had a great discussion last evening on Wednesday, which is not typical. So if you missed that uh, and didn't get a chance to tune in, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to the on-demand section. And you can listen to that sometime over the weekend, but I don't want you to disappear now because we've got a great show for you this evening to listen to. So um, let's get started. So joining me on the Coach's Corner panel tonight is another good friend, John Decker, uh, the Director of Instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. He's also a Senior Editor and Top 25 Instructor at Golf Tips Magazine. And uh, formerly he was a Head Professional, uh, Head Instructor rather, at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, as well as the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, currently, he has authored a great book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, comes with a Bible study, and he's uh, been working on his second book, which he'll talk about a little bit later on, uh, and also is available for public speaking, so you're welcome to reach out, and again, he'll provide some details on that uh, at the end of the show, or at the end of the Coach's Corner segment. Uh, also joining the panel has become another good friend, Sue Weger. Uh, she's also a number one best-selling uh, international author, uh, motivational speaker, and peak performance coach, and she has been a great LPJ Class A golf professional for now over 24-plus years, uh, owner of Uyghur Consulting, LLC, and she also authored a book called Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, and it's available at Amazon.com. So, guys, welcome uh, back to Coach's Corner, and I'm looking forward to a great uh, discussion tonight. Thank you, Ted, Thanks, for Ted. having us. Yeah, look forward to it. My, my pleasure. So, as I said to you both off air, we're going to have an interesting discussion. It's all... Uh, going to be centered around really about you guys, but I think it's important because, um, you know, I think a lot of people 
that aren't familiar with our industry may not understand as much about you as individuals as uh, they might think. And I think it's always good to kind of get to know your pros, so to speak. So um, the first question, and I'm going to ask basically the same question to both of you because it's really, um, I don't want to say personal, but it is in a way, um, these, these series of questions. And it, it really revolves around not just your, your individual personalities, but how they enhance or affect what you do for a living, which of course is uh, teaching this great game. So the first one, uh, John, I'm going to come to you. I'm throwing you under the bus first and giving Sue a, a reprieve okay. uh, and letting her go second. <laughs> so as you think about it, what do you consider to be your three of your greatest strengths and how they apply to your teaching profession? Well, Ted, first of all, thank you for having us on the show. And, Sue, I look forward to uh, this uh, very interesting conversation tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I guess the, the three – you said the three strengths and how they – could you repeat that again one more time? Yeah. So as you think about yourself, what are your three greatest strengths and how have they helped to enhance your, your professional teaching career as a, as a golf professional? Okay. Well, I think the first – my first greatest strength I feel like is my ability to get along with people and, and interact with people. Um, I, you know, in teaching golf, I've taught CEOs. I've taught – professional athletes, you know, movie stars, people like that. But I've also taught just average people who, who are learning the game for the first time, little kids. So being able to go and work with a five- or six-year-old in one lesson and then turn around and work with a CEO in your next lesson, um, you know, is something that I really love about the game. So I think my interpersonal skills is something that I take a lot of pride in. It's something that's always kind of come naturally to me. So it's something I really um, enjoy. Um, I think um, I, I like being out in front. I like uh, doing public speaking. I like uh, doing presentations. So I think um, like when I'm doing a golf clinic or a golf school, uh, I feel very comfortable up in front of groups. And I think that that's something that um, has really helped me in my career, something that I developed. Uh, you know, we, I, I, when I first got started, I was very nervous about it. Um, and, and I've gone and done some training with Craig Can and worked on my presentation skills. So I think that is something um, that has really helped me as well. And I think, um, you know, something that I really is important to me is my faith. And um, that's something that um, I try to, um, you know, I, I have to be careful. I can't, you know, in a lesson talk about faith. But I, I've, I've talked enough about my faith and whether I'm doing public speaking, social media, uh, videos, things like that, where a lot of people I've kind of had that door open and it's someone – wants to talk about faith or, or along those lines, um, that sometimes will come up during a lesson, um, but it also has opened up doors in doing public speaking, like at churches and things like that, where I can try to grow the game of golf, uh, and it's opened up some different avenues that um, most PGA professionals probably don't think about or maybe haven't uh, tried to access in their careers. But I think that, uh, that there's so many great lessons from this game that we learn about life and about people that it trying to blends in with Christianity and, and my faith. So I think those are the three areas that, that um, I feel very strong about and, and hopefully uh, do a good job with my students. Well, and I think those are three great points that you, uh, and great strengths, if you will, that you raise. And I think it is important uh, for, you know, whether you're a golf professional or some other uh, business professional, I think it's important for people to see, 
uh, and experience a little bit of who you are. I mean, you know, one thing, and, and Sue, I'm coming to you next, don't worry. So, but, um, you know, one of the things I think as, you know, as you pointed out, John, you know, really sort of getting up in front of people and having to, you know, I think as professionals and, and whatever you do in your, in your business life, you know, everybody's a little bit nervous initially getting up in front of a group. And that's, uh, you know, probably one of the number one fears that most people have is public speaking of some form, whether it's an individual one-on-one or even in a, in a, a small group or, or larger. Um, but I think people see uh, and get to experience a little bit of who you are, and it's about making connections out in the golf course and on the lesson tee. And I think if people feel that you're, you know, somewhat open and receptive and friendly and, and whatnot, they're less intimidated. Um, so I think that's a great, those are some great qualities to have and certainly definitely um, have become uh, strengths that you're able to, to utilize in, in your day-to-day uh, profession. So what about you? What do you think are your three greatest strengths? Uh, some may overlap what John has said, um, but what do you think your great strengths are and how have they helped you in, uh, in your teaching profession? Yeah, I come from a, you know, an educational background. So what I do with people is I like to educate them about, you know, the game of golf and understanding where they're coming from in regards to, um, you know, the first question I ask them is, why do you play? (laughs) And um, some people will tell me, well, you know, I'm competitive or, you know, I just want to learn the game. Um, but I just try to, you know, educate people, um, so that they understand the real, the real reason why they're there. And that's one of the, like, that's the first chapter of my book is like, why do you play? Um, so they can go a little bit deeper into, you know, the real reason why they play. And I think, um, the, the second part would be, you know, I love communicating with my students in regards to helping them understand why they do what they do. Um, so I would say, you know, communication is really important um, to make sure they're on the same page as I am in regards to, you know, during a le- whether it's a lesson or if it's a golf clinic or if it's a golf retreat. Um, and I think that's one of the, you know, the one of my biggest strengths is just to make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. Um, and and I think the third one is, you know, I have a master's in educational psychology, so I can kind of go a little bit deeper with some people. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like to go too deep with, you know, with people, but, um, you know, I, I ask them, you know, are they – you know, are they visual, auditory, or kinesthetic? That way they understand in regards to how they learn. And and then I, <clears throat> then I basically step into that. So if you're visual, then I'm going to show them more things. If they're auditory, we're going to talk a little bit more. If they're kinesthetic, I'm going to kind of put them in different positions, you know, in regards to their, um, their golf swing. So I think, um, you know, those are my three. And... Um, mm-hmm. It works pretty well for me. Three great uh, strengths as well, Sue, um, and I would agree um, on every single one of them. And, you know, you touched on one, too, that I think is so important. And, it, you know, a lot of people misunderstand the word communication, meaning simply that, you know, you're explaining or uh, clarifying things. But it's also part of communication is listening. And I think as a golf professional, yeah. it's more than just teaching them the golf swing. It's listening to mm-hmm. what it is that they're looking to do. Why are they there, as you pointed out, and how can you be help to them 
but you have to understand what their needs are. And the only way you can do that is to, you know, close the mouth up and open the two ears and listen to what their needs mm-hmm. and what their concerns are and then evaluate that. And obviously your, your educational background that has, has helped to serve you well uh, out on the golf course as well, working in, in a variety of different uh, uh, areas. So um, I, I agree. I think as in with John, I think we both have uh, a lot of great strengths and I'm sure uh, many more uh, are, are there as well, but those are some three uh, great strengths apiece to, uh, to sort of get things started off. Now, um, you had to have imagined, John, that I was going to um, do the flip side. I'm only going to ask for one <laughs> this time. Um, but everybody, obviously, I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, we all have, um, and I don't, I, I don't want to use the, the weakness term because I don't think that is necessarily a weakness, but what is, is something that you um, sometimes struggle with um, that you obviously want to overcome um, that can help you. So obviously, you know, we can't be perfect in everything that we do as far as our instructional and that. Is there an area of, and I'll use the term weakness, um, within your abilities that you still find from time to time you have to step it up a little bit more, I guess is the best way to put it. Anything that comes to mind for you? Well, as far as my professional career goes, I would say the one weakness or the one area that um, that I probably am not um, – as up-to-date on and as a lot of uh, PGA golf professionals is going to be more in the club fitting. Uh, I do club fitting and I've done club mm-hmm. fitting for years, but for me, um, it's not something I enjoy doing. Uh, I think that um, I would much rather turn over uh, that to someone who is a professional at that. And that's what they do. And the biggest struggle that I have with club fitting is every year there's new stuff out. And I don't have the yeah. time to research all the shafts and all the club heads. And I mean, every manufacturer <laughs> comes out with something new at the PGA show. So I go to the PGA show and I look around and I, 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 I'm very interested in, in what's coming out because I want to know. I want to know more or less, you know, like the TaylorMade Stealth driver. I want to know the, the, the difference between the Stealth and the Stealth 2. You know, just basic things like that. But I don't really delve into – all the shafts and everything, because my gosh, if you go to a really good fitter and you look on the wall, there's just hundreds of different shafts. And I don't enjoy that enough. And I'm at a point in my career where I can pretty much, you know, kind of dictate how I want to spend my time and how I want to make my money. And for me, it's teaching the student. So anytime, um, now if it's a beginner or someone new, I will make recommendations and do a fitting. But if it's someone that's like, like someone, a real good high school, college player, I'm going to send them to some fitters that we have here in Columbus or uh, through our club and do it that way. I'm not going to um, try to tackle that. So I would say keeping up with the technology um, aspect as well with all the new simulators and stuff, you know, I've, uh, I've got experience with all that. I know all the numbers. I understand that, but I'm, I'm, I love getting out on the grass and, and working with students out on the, on the tee and, uh, not as much into the simulators and, and the indoor instruction. And we realize that you have to do it at times if the weather's bad, things like that. But I wouldn't want to do that, you know, 12 months out of the year. That would go crazy if I was inside like that. So that's probably <laughs> the areas that I'm that I'm probably the weakest at. And, um, you know, everyone has their strengths. I've, I've always said um, I would rather be great at one thing than be good at a lot of things. And so um, I did, never wanted to be just a – club pro that had to do everything i wanted to specialize in teaching and that's my strength and that's what i enjoy the most 
Yeah, and I think that's a really, uh, really good one, a great example, because, and, and I'm like you, I, I, I've done a few here and there, but I'm really not very proficient when it comes to club fitting. And there's a lot of people in our industry uh, and, you know, all around the country and, and so forth that are very proficient in that area. And I would certainly turn to them uh, as well. You know, obviously I've had to do it from time to time, but, you know, I, I, I'm like you is I, I don't want to, I would rather be really good at one thing or maybe even two things than sort of just okay, um, you know, on a, a few things or good here, not so good here and just kind of back and forth. So I agree with you. I think you have to find where your strengths are and that's what you really focus on becoming the best that you can be at. And then the other area is what you do is you back yourself up with um, when people have questions about certain things that you're not as proficient in, you've got answers for them. You can say, I, you know, I don't deal with that myself, but I've got a great person over here that we can get you set up and get into the right equipment and the right sizing and so forth. So I think that's smart to do that. So what about yourself? Um, how do you feel? Everybody, you know, has, uh, uh, as we talked about some strengths, but every black in, in certain areas, uh, it's just a natural part of the beast, if you will. What, what's your, what you classify as maybe your area that needs improvement or as at John, where it's not necessarily a strength, but uh, maybe not as proficient in. Uh, I think the, uh, I would agree with John in regards to the technology part of it, like all of the flight scope and all of the launch monitors and, you know, I'm, um, what I want to say, a non-techie type of a person. <laughs> so th I think that um, I just need to get, have more knowledge in regards to more of the, the launch monitors and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, like the flight scopes and things like that. I think that's a, probably, I would say, my only kind of weakness that, um, you know, because I know technology really helps people um, understanding, you know, what they're doing and, and so on and so forth. But um, I just think that the, um, you know, the technology part of it um, is probably where I need to learn a little bit more of, uh, you know, what, what the flight scopes are all about or the launch monitors, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and again, to John's point, you know, I, I agree with you, Sue, you know, I have certainly some knowledge, but I'm not an expert uh, in those areas either. Um, but they have a purpose mm -hmm. um, for uh, really mm -hmm. assisting. I think unfortunately in our business, as with many other industries, too many people have relied solely on that technology. In fact, they've gotten themselves so well educated in it that they're, they're, it's yeah. much like how we see people walking down the street with the cell phones. Their heads are buried in the technology, and they're not really paying attention to their students. And I prefer to have those relationships with, with students and friends and things like that than to rely solely on technology. It's really there as a support uh, and, a, and sort of an affirmation of certain areas of, of the game that we're trying to work on and help our students with, but it's not there to overtake. And I think it's a, it's a matter of finding the right balance. And whatever works for you obviously yeah. is best but you have to keep that in mind. So I, I'm along with you, uh, I think, in both cases. I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, John, I'm going to come back to you, and, and I want to take money out of the equation because I don't, I don't consider, you know, obviously we all have to eat and we want to be uh, financially successful in whatever we do, but how would you define success in your position, what you do for a living? What's a success? What's a win for you? I think a win for me is when I get feedback from my students that they're improving. Uh, whether it be, um, you know, I had a lady that I gave a lesson to the other day about two weeks ago, and she um, 
she said, John, I've never broken 60 before. She sent me a text like the very next day after the lesson. I've never broken 60 before, and today I shot 53. Thank you. And that made me feel just as good as someone who uh, was trying to play on the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour, and they went out and came in third place in a you know a professional tournament or something like. That. I felt the same satisfaction that that they improved and and um, you know because it's very difficult um, ultimately why people come to a, a teacher in this game and to learn the game of golf is they want to improve and everyone has a different way they measure improvement. Some people want to you know play professionally. Some people want to just learn to, so they can go out and play with their their spouse. Um, and, and some people want to go from being a 21 handicapper to an 18. And so with, with any time, you know, I, I know at the end of the lesson what everyone's parameter, the student's parameter is, what, what they're trying to do to improve, because I usually will ask them early on, you know, what are you, where are you struggling, what do you want to work on, what do you need improvement on, and then they will give me an idea. I used to be a 12, now I'm a 15 handicap. I hear that kind of comment, you know, a lot. So anytime someone comes back to me and they say, I'm, you know, I, I was a 12 I, and when I came to see you, I was a 15 and now I, I'm a 13, you know, things like that, that makes me feel very good and very satisfied. And, and on the flip side, sometimes people kind of go the other way at first. And so, you know, that's a, a struggle, but, but if you can, can get that person to, to buy into what you're doing and just let them know that this is not a quick fix. I don't have a magic wand, so it's going to take some time. But as that time and you spend time with that, that uh, student, you develop a relationship with them, and, and eventually, you know, they see those successes, and when they share those with you, I think that's what means the most to me as a teacher. I think that's a great uh, definition of success for you. And, and I, I'm, again, um, I would agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's satisfying for a number of reasons. It's obviously great, and, and first and foremost, you want to see those students improving. I think also for me, um, I like just to see them excited about the process because we all know it's like anything. It's like doing homework. I mean, there's things that they're going to be uh, required to do in order to improve uh, some uh, drills and things like that, and sometimes that can be a little overwhelming, and sometimes it can be a little bit, uh, frustrating or feel like you're getting dumped a, a bunch of homework. Um, but when they're excited about the process and they're seeing results, even if sometimes if it's slow, I mean, that's a great example you gave. I mean, to go from 60, you know, and 53 in a very short period of time like that, I mean, that's really uh, in, in many cases that is almost unheard of, um, but it's not impossible. And, it, it, you know, but again, success for me is to see the student is engaged in the process. They're excited about the process and they're eager and willing um, to do the various things that need to get done and want to see improvement and then ultimately uh, start to see that uh, as they move along. So I, I think that's a great, uh, a great definition of success. Um, Sue, what about you? What, what's defined, again, I'm sure you probably concur a lot with what John just talked about, but uh, is there anything else that you can think of or is there something specific that uh, would, would put a, a win in, in the column for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with John. It's all about the student and it's, it's a process and it's a, you know, I talk to my students about it's a journey. It's not something that you're going to get immediate results. Um, and there's a process to it. And I think that's what's so important um, uh, to, to have the student understand that, you know, it's, it is going to be a process, um, but eventually you're going to get there if you, if you end up doing the right things. And as an instructor, 
it's our job to make sure they are doing the right things and communicate with them, um, you know, in the right process in regards to it, whether or not if it's short game or if it's full, full swing or if it's, uh, you know, on-course play or on-course management. It's all about helping them understand, you know, where where do I need to go from here um, at this point in time? And I think that's um, that's where, you know, I see a lot of satisfaction with when the students comes back to me after we did, maybe we did a short game clinic and um, it might have been on, like, for example, an uneven lies or something, and then they go out and play and they came back to me and they said, boy, that really works. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, it does. If you understand the process and understand, you know, um, understanding, you know, if it's a uphill lie, downhill lie, side hill lie, or, you know, the four different lies. And um, that's where I get a lot of my satisfaction is when the students come back and say, hey, you know what, that really worked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, there, there's so many variables that you can throw in here. Um, but uh, again, I think both of you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why obviously we, we all enjoy the game. I mean, golf, uh, has a lot of uh, ups and downs and ins and outs and, and all these different things, uh, and, and presents many, many challenges, much like in life. And, but I think as a, as a golf professional, I think one of the, the satisfying, uh, satisfying areas is when we do see that, uh, that light bulb go off, um, you know, and, and the, the student gets what we're talking about because sometimes it's not easy you know it's very easy on our end to say okay we'll do this and do that and or here's why that's happening um but they haven't been trained the same way we have and you know sometimes even if they've been playing for you know 10 20 30 years um you know it's not impossible to as they say teach an old dog new tricks um but sometimes you have to really get them to understand um why what they've been doing hasn't been working for them and you've got to sell them on that and that's not always an easy task. So um, it takes a lot. So when you see that light bulb go off, it, it's very um, satisfying. And then obviously as, as, you know, that continues to happen more and more than people, you know, by word of mouth, uh, you know, advertising, uh, you know, comes very simple at that point, very cost effective because people are happy to say, hey, you know what, I'm seeing John or Sue uh, up at such and such uh, club and I'm uh, really excited about the work I'm doing with them. And the next thing you know, you've got uh, maybe uh, a few extra students coming your way. So that's the best way to do it is just to do what you can to make a, a, an enjoyable experience. Uh, John, do you have a favorite style or even a philosophy for teaching golf? Is there anything specific? Um, obviously, you have your own style that you've created over the years, but is there anything that you sort of patterned yourself off of uh, a little bit in some way? Um, yes, everything that I I teach is what I learned while I was at Grand Cypress. Um, I, I learned the foundation, the fundamental um, approach to teaching, and that is um, basically that the body swings the club, uh, and when you build a golf swing, you build it from the ground up. So I'm always looking at the ground. I'm looking at where your feet are in relationship to the ball, your distance to the ball, ball position, knee flex you know, all the way up to your grip and then all the way up to your shoulder tilt. So, you know, that's where it starts. And then the, the sequence of the golf swing um, and, and the timing of the golf swing and all of that, that core information that I got came through the research of Dr. Ralph Mann with a, with a model golf and now swing model. Uh, he did all the biomechanical research and studied 
you know, 100 tour players and, and kind of came up with a model of what they all do. So that's where I learned the biomechanics. I learned the presentation styles from all the instructors that I worked with. And, and I would just kind of listen to each one of them, especially when I first got started. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I would listen to them, and I would be assisting the schools. And the more I learned from them, the more I kind of developed my own style. And then Phil Rogers was a huge influence on my career, my short game especially, and the way I teach and the way I, I work. And I got to know him for 20 years, and, and just he was my mentor and a man I loved. And, and uh, he passed away in 2018. And, and, um, but he was really had a profound effect on my career and everything that, that I've done. So that's where I really learned it. And then what I always tell people is, especially young uh pros that come to me and ask advice is I said, you know, the reason that I became a, a really good teacher is because I listened to other people. I went and watched them teach. And then I would take things that they would say and I would put my own twist on it. And I've always believed that the best teachers are the ones that can say the same thing a lot of different ways because we're dealing with human beings that all think differently and all learn differently. So if you have a unique way, if I can say the same thing five different ways, then I have a, a much broader, I'm casting a much broader net, and I can, and I can um, retain more students, I can influence more students, I can help more students, uh, because I'm communicating, I'm figuring out what it is, how, they, how they're wired, you know, how they think, wh- how they learn, and I try to take all that information and put that into uh, a presentation so that the student will understand and hopefully grasp it and, and learn from it. So that's where I, I really gained all my, my experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier is, you know, when you listen to the student and really absorb what it is they're saying, you get a lot of the answers and you can't be afraid, obviously as a, as a teacher, you know, you have to ask them questions. You have to ask them, you know, some open questions to get them to speak and talk about certain things. And then once you kind of get a feel, then you kind of close those questions down and you zero in with specific questions to learn and get uh, those, you know, crucial answers to questions that you need to have. And then you can put your game plan together there to help them move forward. So what about your, uh, you know, when you look at yourself, uh, is there a favorite style or philosophy that you've adopted throughout your years? Obviously, as a, as a teacher um, coming to this outside of the golf industry has, has served you very well. So are there strengths from that uh, experience that you brought into golf that you're using as kind of your style or, or were there similar to John where you've, um, you know, maybe worked with some professionals or, or been around other professionals in the past that you've drawn from some of their experiences? Yeah, I follow Lynn and Pia uh, vision 54 a lot. And um, I have every one of their books and um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what they do, um, you know, with the, the, what I want to call the think box and the play box and that kind of stuff. And so I've learned a lot through them. And um, anytime that they have a, you know, a program or something, I will definitely go follow them and, and learn something new from them um, because they, you know, they work with professionals from all over the world. And I think um, that um, anytime I go and, um, you know, learn from them, I, I'll put a I'll put a different spin on it, but yeah, I'll learn. Like um, last time I was with them, um, I was learning that you know the <clears throat> it's the think box and the play box is a little bit different. But I also learned that 
you know, everybody has a left brain and a, and a right brain, and, and that's what I, I tell. I tell everybody that, you know, you can't be in your left brain when you're standing over the golf ball. You have to be in your right brain. You have to be creative, and you have to be uh, full of movement because that's where you get, um, you know, your best results. And I think uh, I think that would probably be one of my, you know, um, uh, what do I want to say, who I follow the most. But I look at a lot of different, um, a lot of different instructors, you know, on the internet and that as well. So um, I'm, you know, I'm a lifelong learner, and I think that's what I teach mm-hmm. my other, you know, I teach my, I teach my students the same thing. I said, you know, we we don't always have the always the right answer. <laughs> so right. Um, and that's why I, you know, it's a continual learning process, and I think that's what's so great about our profession and the teaching, um, the, the teaching professionals. There are so many great people out there that come up with different stuff um, that we can learn from, um, and and that's what I love. I love I love learn, learning from other people. I think that's a, a, again a great uh, a great points that you make, and Lynn and Pierre are, are great. I mean they've been doing this for a while and, and have really gotten things down, uh, you know, to a, a finality that uh, uh, people can really grasp on. And I think it's important, uh, as you both have mentioned, I think it's important to draw from the experiences of other. And, you know, I'm always skeptical in any business, but, you know, in the golf business, when people come out and say, well, I've, I've sort of found the secret sauce and I've got all the answers, um, you know, <laughs> usually, you know, you're being set up for something. And there are a few occasionally that come out like that, but that's in any business. But I think the ones that really are always, as you pointed out, Sue, always learning, always, you know, receptive to new, uh, you know, positions. And that doesn't mean that you change your entire philosophy or or anything to that nature. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, It just means that you're open and receptive to the learning process Mm -hmm. yourself. Because if you've quit learning, then it's very hard for you to stand up there in front of your student or students and say, okay, I want to teach you this and and this is all I'm ever going to teach you. Well, once you've sort of dispelled everything you've known um, and, you know, your learning has quit, it's very difficult to go back to them and say, well, here, I want to tell you something different now um, if you've sort of shut yeah. the valve off yourself. So I think it's very important to, to do right. that. So uh, very interesting conversation, and we're going to shift gears just a little bit and uh, hopefully have a little bit um, more fun. I hope you enjoyed this part of it, but have a little bit more fun. John, I'm going to come back to you. Um, and there may be one or there may be two, uh, and I'm going to expand this a little bit to include um, not just professional golfers, necessarily tour players, but it might even be uh, teacher professionals. But who are your favorite, uh, who's a favorite professional golfer of yours and why? Well, my childhood idol was Jack Nicklaus, and um, I think um, he is one of the main reasons why I fell in love with golf. Um, I did fall in love with the game uh, the, fir- the first time I saw my clubs and the first time I got a chance to swing them. But when I watched Jack Nicklaus in 1980 win two majors, uh, when he won the U.S. Open and then he turned, one, turned around and he won the PGA Championship uh, in August of later that year at Oak Hill. Um, and uh, years later, I got a chance, an opportunity to coach at Oak Hill uh, during the PGA Championship with Bob Sowards. Um, and when I was walking those, those uh, fairways with him for that week, 
Um, it just came my whole career, my whole dreams, everything that I experienced as, as a golf professional went back to the memories of 1980 and uh, the memories of watching Jack Nicklaus win those tournaments. And that is what poured gasoline on the fire for me. Um, and it went from there. And then in 86, when he won the Masters, that was even – that took it to another level. At that point, I was in high school. So it's just – that to me is when I think back about why I fell in love and why I wanted to be a PGA Tour player and ended up being a teacher and the whole journey, it all goes back to those dreams and watching him. And I can see how Tiger has influenced this generation and how – you know, uh, Bobby Jones influenced a generation and Ben Hogan. So there's so many great players and there's young players that are coming up now that, that will influence uh, the future uh, players. Um, so I think to me, that's, that's what stands out. And, and to me, that's why I fell in love with the game. Yeah. Uh, Jack was obviously um, my favorite as well. And uh, for, for many of the same reasons, just, I really enjoyed watching him and, you know, he was always very deep in, in his, um, you know, thought process, very methodical about what he did. Um, but there just seemed to be sort of a natural flow about him that was very intriguing and obviously something that Tiger uh, did through his career. And as you said, uh, you know, there's just certain ones that stand out. Um, so I, I agree with you. Jack was, was one of my favorites uh, or was my favorite as well. Um, Sue, so what about yourself? Was there a favorite professional? It doesn't necessarily have to be a tour player. It could be a teacher professional that – uh, obviously, I know you, you mentioned uh, some people, others that have impacted Leah and, and uh, Lynn and Pia, excuse me. Uh, but was there a, a particular golf professional that uh, really stood out to you and, and was instrumental and in maybe something similar to John getting you into the game or you just enjoyed watching? Uh, what was the reason that uh, they were special for you? Um, I was a four-sport athlete before I got into the game of golf. So I started really late, like after college. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I fell in love with the game, um, I'll I'll say by accident. (laughs) And, um, so as I started to learn the game, I I grew up in Nebraska, so I went and played with a lot of, um, what I want to say, women amateurs in the state of Nebraska. And I looked up to them so so much, and I learned a lot from them, you know, playing the game with them. And then when I fell in love, when I really fell in love with the game, it was like, man, I think I could do this. <laughs> um, that's when I decided that, you know, I wanted to be a teaching professional um, because of my education background. And um, I think the – I'll just say this. I think the the – um, the women amateurs in, in Nebraska really, you know, helped, helped me motivate myself to say, okay, I'm going to go to the next level. And, um, and then after that, it was, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I moved from Nebraska. I went to um, North Car- Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had a head golf professional that took a chance on me, you know, because I didn't have, you know, any, um, <clears throat> excuse me, golf background or anything like that. But, um, he knew I really cared about the game, and I was pretty good at it, and that's when I started my career. But, And, you know, his he was the head golf professional at Myers Park Country Club, and to this day, I'll you know, I thank him every day because he's the one that really, you know, helped start, start my career. And I think that um, 
you know, I just, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity because a lot of people wouldn't take a chance on me when I, you know, when I first started. Um, and then the other, um, the other person that I truly cherished having a relationship with Dana Rader. She's unfortunately no longer alive, but um, yeah. that's who I talked to um, in Charlotte when I was there. And um, yeah, she was like, she was one of the teaching professionals that actually had just left Myers Park Country Club to start her own business at um, um, one of the other clubs there. And I, you know, had the opportunity to meet her and talk to her about what the LPGA was all about, and it, it, and that's, um, that's what really, you know, really kicked me into the, um, the teaching profession. You know, there are so many influences, and you know, for me, one of the things, in addition to obviously, you know, watching great players like Jack and that, is I always enjoyed uh, earlier on in golf uh, many of the invitationals that you would see, whether it be you know, the Bob Hope Invitational or, uh, you know, when Dinah Shore was around. I mean, obviously I'm dating myself now, but, um, you know, I enjoyed those tournaments yeah. uh, and watching. To me, they just epitomized, you know, Bob was obviously, you know, would clown around a lot and obviously went on to uh, run a very uh, successful USO campaign and to this day still, um, not him, but, uh, you know, you hear of, of different things uh, as a result of those. And he was an early pioneer and, and always loved the game so much. So they had the Bob uh, Hope Invitational, uh, I think it was in Palm Springs. But, you know, Dinah Shore, mm-hmm. same thing. Um, you know, and these yeah. people were instrumental in the game. And, and you know, you really kind of missed them because they made uh, golf interesting to watch and fun and, and sort of added a little bit of a celebrity uh, aspect to it as well. So those are people that really uh, were of interest to me as, as a youngster growing up and, and helped to bring an appeal for me. Um, to this game, in addition to some of the great professionals that played. Um, John, is there a piece of golf equipment um, that you think every professional should have? Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a club. It might be a, a training aid, um, but just something that is a go-to for you when you're working with your students. And, and in your opinion, maybe many uh, share your thought, but is there one piece of uh, equipment that uh, you think every uh, golf professional uh, should have, a, an, you know, I, I say in the bag, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in the bag, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, your thoughts? Yes. Um, for me, it's the orange whip. Uh, I think that the orange whip is the best teaching uh, slash warm-up device um, it's, that I've seen. Uh, it's, if you haven't seen it, you can go online and see it. And I'm not, I don't get, I'm not endorsed by them or anything like that. I, I purchased an orange whip, uh, actually, at the PGA show this year. Uh, I've been using them for years, um, and they are fantastic. I, I use it every day. I start out uh, and swing it just to, to loosen up. If you On my website, I've got a video showing how to really use it. If you go on DeckerGolf.com, you can see how, you know, that, that video. But, but I really believe that it's great because it does many things. Number one, it's great for flexibility. Um, and the majority of golfers out there, especially the men out there, need more flexibility. It's also good for strength training. There's a lot of women that, that, uh, that I teach that need to swing that so that they can, they can get stronger in their golf muscles, and men as well, uh, and juniors. Uh, they make a junior model as well. So it's good for building up core strength. It's good for building up, um, you know, the, the transition in the golf swing. And, and, but it also works on your timing. Anytime I get a student who has a really quick golf swing, the first thing I do is I go grab that, 
and I give them the orange whip and I say, swing this, you're not going to have a quick swing anymore because it automatically slows you down and it gives you, gets you in a nice rhythm. Uh, so it's just a great uh, overall uh, practice device, I, teaching device, however you want to call it. But it's something I keep in my bag. When I get to the golf course, I start swinging it, and, and then I go into, um, you know, actually playing with it or, or you know, hit warming up and hitting shots with it. So I think that, to, in my opinion, that's, uh, that is, a, is a, an investment, a wise investment. And I always tell my students, it doesn't matter. It could be snow on the ground in the wintertime. When you, um, if you swing that thing every day or after a workout, it's a great time. If you've been working out, it's a great time to swing that while your muscles are nice and warmed up and keep your golf muscles in strength because there's a lot of people who are really strong and in shape, but they, their golf muscles aren't in shape. They can't turn. They, can't, they don't have the flexibility to do it. So, uh, to me, that's the best thing out there for it. Yeah, I, I have one as well, and I don't, I'm not endorsed by them either. I, I had to buy. I'd have shelled money out for a moment. It's a worthwhile investment, and I agree. And uh, you're right. You know, a lot of uh, folks go to the gym and think if they pump a little iron, they're going to get in great shape, which they can, uh, but it doesn't necessarily uh, convert into uh, helping your golf swing. So uh, there's a lot of great tools out there, and an orange whip uh, is definitely uh, one that uh, I, I keep in the bag as well. Sue, so what about you? Uh, any uh, particular piece of uh, golf equipment, uh, whether it's a uh, training aid or something else that uh, that you think every uh, professional golfer should should have in the bag. Yeah, I um, I carry with me balance pillows because I think that's one of the issues that a lot of people don't know and don't understand when they're standing over the golf ball how balanced they should be. So I have um, they're like just you know the you can get them on Amazon, but they're balance pillows and. When people are off, when they're not centered, you know, I talk about the their nervous system and their fight or flight response. And uh, a lot of the times, when people aren't balanced, um, they, you know, their bottom, their contact in regards to their swing um, is not consistent. And the reason it's not consistent is because when they're standing over the ball, they're not balanced. And all of a sudden, when they're um, when their center gravity um, comes off of the middle of their feet, then people will automatically, you know, come up out of their golf swing or stop turning or, um, or they'll do something else to, you know, adjust it because the fight or flight response is going to keep you on balance in your nervous system. So I, I just show people, you know, with the balance pills and how it works. And, um, and then once they get off the balance pills, they're like, Oh, that's totally different. (laughs) Um, on how I stand to the ball, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. So um, that's the more, that's probably the the um, the basic stuff that I use in regards to. Um, they're just balance tools, and it helps people understand, you know, how to get grounded on the grounded into the ground. Because if you're not grounded, you're not going to develop any speed, and you're not going to develop any consistency. So that's what I use. Yeah, and uh, again, some a lot of great uh, tools out there that uh, help with balance, and uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's good to see, you know, it's interesting, it goes back to uh, a point that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, when we, we, you know, looked at how and, and who sort of influenced us, um, and, you know, the fact that there's so many difference, differences out there in the industry, and, you know, here's another example. You each have something different that 
works really well for you and, and it works well in, in your, your day-to-day teaching. So it's interesting to get different perspectives. So I uh, appreciate that and, uh, and uh, thank you. Um, John, uh, we're, we got time uh, for sort of a final question for, for each of you. And uh, this one really revolves around golf events, not uh, you know, necessarily major events or things like that. But uh, you know, it's not always easy when you're out in the lesson tee um, you know, day in, day out to, to get to play yourself. Um, sometimes it might be for fun, but uh, you know, every once in a while there might be an event coming up that, uh, that you want to participate in. Um, and obviously because of limited time and, and things to be able to do that, uh, I imagine you probably select, might be more than one, but there might be a favorite event that you participate in uh, hopefully every season just to get out there and have some fun and, and enjoy the, the, the actual game itself as opposed to just on the lesson to you all the time. So is there a favorite golf event that you personally like to participate in? Yes, I um in 2015, I pretty much was burnt out and I had, I just pretty much gave up competitive golf. And um, I would be pretty much the only golf that I would do would be in playing lessons. And occasionally I would go out and play with my friends or family um, and, and thought that my competitive days were over. And last year, one of my students, who's a junior golfer, we were doing a playing lesson and he looked at me and he said, you know, why aren't you play? He goes, why don't you play more golf? And I thought about it. And he, I said, you're right. Why don't I play more golf? And I'm to a point in my life where, um, you know, I can, I have the time to do it now. And so um, I, I started playing competitively last year in senior events here in the Southern Ohio uh, PGA section. And it was like starting all over for me. Uh, but um, the senior, the, our senior um, professional championship is, um, will be in August. I'm really looking forward to that. We have our section championship as well. But I started playing last year and really struggled for the first three tournaments and then started again. You know, the, then we got the winter months and I started back up. And actually, um, this year have started to see some improvement. And it's really helped me because it makes me, I, I, it really brought back a lot of memories of what my students are going through especially my high school and, and uh, college players and being able to relate to them what I'm, uh, what I feel and knowing what they feel. And uh, I went out and I played in a pro-am uh, on Monday and my partner and I won the event. So it was really, it's been really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's been, um, um, it's been a lot more difficult than I thought it would be because I just thought, well, I just, you know, I'm hitting the ball fine on the range and tournament golf and hitting the ball in the range are like two different worlds. Um, and so um, it, may, it really brought that back to me. And I feel like because I'm playing more now than I have in the last few years, I'm going to be a better teacher. And that's really the main reason why I'm doing it. So I'm real excited. Yeah, it's uh, – <coughs> pardon me. It, it's – and I agree with you. You know, you, you have to – I think one of the big misconceptions in our industry – is they just assume because we're in the golf profession, we're playing a lot of golf all the time. And, you know, early on in your career, you might be able to do that because, number one, you're younger and, and have the vitality to do it. Uh, but also your, your lesson, you know, you're, you're not booked up all the time with lessons, so you have a little bit more time and flexibility. But as you get more proficient in your career, it's not always uh, easy to get out there. And uh, so people are kind of shocked when they say, well, you know, you must get it and play a lot of golf. And you know, uh, many of the people like yourself and that I've talked to, or some have gotten back into it again, but for a number of years, some of them out there have not been able to play a lot of golf other than with family and friends, as you said, but competitively, uh, just because of timing and just not being able to do it. So, 
um, I think that's great, and I'm glad that uh, uh, you know that it's uh, you're seeing obviously some success uh, as you you know get back into uh, more of a playing side as well. So, uh, great great job. Um, see, so what about yourself? Is there anything? I mean, again, we're all busy with life, and we don't always get a chance, but we try our best to get out and maybe play in some events. Is there anything special for you that you like to participate in, um, even if it's not every season, but maybe once in a while? Yeah, I mean, I like to. I get invited to play in pro ams um, around up in northern Arizona. Um, I played in a pro am over at Forest Highlands up in Flagstaff um, a couple weeks ago, and then there'll be a couple. There's another couple of pro ams coming up here in um, September and October. So yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take a team, and um, I mean, I just I love to play, no matter if I'm playing good or bad. It's just because I love to play, <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I just I enjoy it, and then um, you know after sometimes after work I'll just go and play like six to eight holes and just go out by myself because you know I just I love the game and um, I love what it does um, you know for me when I'm out there by myself sometimes and um, just put the you know the earplugs in and and listen to some music and enjoy the game and and I think that's um, that's what I enjoy the most is like it's still an enjoyment for me, and I think it that's that's the whole entire point. It's like it's supposed to be fun <laughs> mm-hmm. and um I, I yeah, so i yeah, it's supposed to be fun, and um if I'm not having fun i'm I'm you know I'm not gonna be playing so but I wanna have fun when I play, so that's me, you know that no, I think that's fantastic, and I think you should. Uh, you know, try to get out. That's one of my, uh, has been one of my goals for this year is to get out, not necessarily playing any specific events, but just to get out and play more. Um, you know, unfortunately, when we do what we do, um, <coughs> pardon me, when, whether it's teaching or involved in other aspects of golf, uh, sometimes we, uh, we get changed and don't always get out to do that. And, you know, people don't realize that when, just as we express to our students, um, what, excuse me for a second. I got a little tickle in my throat. Um, you know, what we try to express to our students is about the importance of not just hitting balls on the rain, you know, uh, range, John, as you talked about, but actually getting out there and playing. So when we're not able to do that as much as, you know, we would like to or, or even need to, our games suffer too. So it's a great opportunity. It's a great learning opportunity not only for ourselves to, you know, gather more information. Okay, what do we need to do and, and uh, to, to get things a little more up to snuff, but also it's a great teaching opportunity for our students to say, you know what, even we um, are going to fall short from time to time um, when we're not out there working on our game and, and practicing and, and obviously playing as well and putting all of those important tasks that we give to them, putting them together and, and putting them in practice for ourselves. So um, some great points. Um, uh, very interesting discussion tonight. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. It was something a little bit different that we hadn't done on the show before. And um, it's always interesting to get a little bit, um, you know, a, a, a little bit different uh, perspective on, on things. And um, I, I'm always uh, trying to mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to give each of you an opportunity to um, just share with the folks the best way to reach out. And if there's anything special that you want to plug, uh, by all means, go ahead. Uh, John, I'll let you go first and then Sue. Well, Ted, once again, thank you for having us on the show, giving us uh, the platform to be able to uh, talk to your audience, to uh, talk about the game we all love, and we really appreciate all that you do to help grow this game. And, Sue, I've really enjoyed uh, being on the show with you again. 
uh, tonight and, and uh, wish you a, a great uh, season ahead. Um, for the listeners out there, uh, the, one of the best ways to get in touch with me is to go to my website, DeckerGolf.com, and that's all one word, um, DeckerGolf.com. And, and on there I have, uh, I have videos uh, for the full swing, short game, putting, chipping, pitching, bunker, golf management, or course management, and golf fitness. So I have videos, uh, video library, about 200 videos on the website. Uh, you can also follow me on social media on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, I'm also um, a senior editor with Golf Tips Magazine, so I write uh, articles for the magazine, um, instructional articles. I have one coming out this fall, going to be on chipping. I just completed that one just, just recently, so great chipping and short game uh, article. Hopefully we'll uh, – a lot of people will will start utilizing um, and the um, my book golf is my life glorifying God through the game is available on Amazon Barnes and Noble and Amazon audible and if uh, you're looking for a public speaker for like a charity event or a church event uh, or just a junior clinic or something along those lines uh, if you're looking for instruction things like uh, with uh, kind of a faith-based theme please reach out to me I'd be glad to um, come to your town or your club and and do that as well so but thank you again uh, ted and sue and i hope you have a great evening well thank you john uh as always i appreciate your input into uh, not only the show but obviously uh as a senior editor and top 25 instructor in golf tips magazine and um great uh article that he writes every issue fairways to heaven you definitely don't want to miss that uh, uh getting uh picking up a lot of steam with our readers so I definitely want to check that out. Sue, um, best way that folks can reach uh, you, and if there's anything special you'd like to plug. Yeah, thanks again. Um, appreciate it, John. It was a pleasure listening to your conversations. I love what you're what you're doing. And, um, yeah, people can reach me at um, uh, sueagergolf.com, or um, my email is um, swie at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, and my Number one best-selling book is still on Amazon, and um, if you if you go ahead and purchase that, um, I have also have a um, just a nice handout that goes along with the book. And um, yeah, I appreciate everything that um, I always enjoy our conversations, Ted, and I appreciate everybody. Well, thank you both again very much for joining me on. Uh another Coach's Corner panel, and uh, we've got a few more left to go before the season ends, and I know you both will be back uh, again, I'm sure, a few more times at least, uh, but always appreciate the input. So you guys have a great weekend, and enjoy, I guess, the uh, uh, Open Championship that's going on, uh, a lot of uh, great play going on there, so hopefully you'll get a chance to at least watch some of it and um, and uh, in between in between the lesson tees. So, but thanks, guys, uh, as always, for bringing your best, and I look forward to you guys joining me again next time here on the Coach's Corner panel segment of Golf Talk Live. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ted. Thank you. All right. That was uh, John Decker and Sue Weger joining me on the Coach's Corner panel, and uh, they just uh, gave you their contact information. So hopefully you'll, uh, you know, if you're going to be in their area, many of the pros now uh, do a lot of online presentations, so you can certainly reach out. Maybe they can help you that way as well. Uh, While we wait for tonight's special guest, uh, Ian uh, Zubkoff, uh, the Executive Vice President of Superstroke Golf. Uh, he'll be joining me here momentarily. But in the meantime, uh, here's a great message on how you can help your game from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine.
Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, and um, don't forget again to go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today as uh, we've got um, some great uh, great tips in the magazine, as John pointed out, as one of the senior editor and top 25 instructors. Um, you can visit uh, our website and you can sign up for either um, the print version, digital version, or both, whatever uh, works for you. Some people like to have both. Uh, it's very affordable, uh, some great uh, pricing there. And it's a bi-monthly magazine, comes out every two months, so every uh, other month you'll get a, a, a copy in your hot little hands if you get the print issue, or you can get the digital issue if you prefer to reading on a tablet uh, or some other uh, device. It's available on all of them. And um, also, if uh, maybe you like both, some people like to do that as well, like to take a uh, print copy, have that at home for when they're sitting around uh, lounging out by the pool, uh, trying to up, up to with some good tips in there and other people like to that travel a little bit more like to have uh, the digital version of the magazine available as well so again it's very uh, very affordable go to golftipsmag.com also you want to make sure you sign up for the e-newsletter uh, we send out a monthly e-newsletter with some updates and things like that and one of the updates I talked a little bit briefly about last night and I'm going to do again uh, the same tonight but one of the reasons you want to get on that email list um, excuse me for our e-newsletter is we're going to be announcing uh, golf tips golf schools uh, we're going to be starting one up uh, in October and I believe the dates are October 26th through to the 29th a three-day school uh, more details will be uh, provided in the next week or so uh, but you want to get on there we're going to be announcing it through there and it's gonna be held at Macklemore uh, Golf Club up in the mountaintop of um, Lookout Mountain in Georgia, which is just about 35 minutes to 40 minutes away from Chattanooga. Uh, some incredible panora panoramic views, of course, uh, as we talked about last night on a special presentation of this show uh, with uh, special guests Charlie Reimer and uh, Conley Crimmins, uh, who are with uh, Macklemore, and obviously my good friend John Hughes, a PGA Master Professional, who's going to be uh, really the one heading up uh, the golf school. So you definitely want, if you want to participate in that, it's going to be some great opportunities to uh, improve your game, and that's going to be in October, a nice fall time to go up on the mountain, and uh, beautiful uh, scenery. It's just an, uh, incredible. It's uh, uh, about 22, 2300 feet uh, above sea level, and uh, just some great mountain views and just some beautiful views, and the course uh, is, is just fantastic. They're building a second course, the Outpost, uh, which will be opening up, I believe, either later this year or early next year, and the Hilton has... Uh, a beautiful um, hotel uh, resort that's going to be uh, there as well. That's going to be opening up, I believe, in March of next year, uh, 245 rooms of, with spa and, and some other amenities as well. So you definitely want to check that out. Uh, some great stay-and-play options. You can go to themacklemore.com. Themacklemore.com is the website, and uh, check that out there. But uh, we're going to be starting up the golf schools this fall. John has been doing some work with some uh, temporary schools up there at Macklemore uh, through the last year, and uh, Golf Tips is now going to participate and uh, 
bring some of you folks up there as well and help you with your game. So stay tuned for that. Again, go to golftipsmag.com to not only uh, subscribe to the magazine if you haven't already, or uh, maybe you want to gift a subscription to a friend of yours that needs a little help for their game. Uh, it's a great way to do that as well. And uh, it's available in print, digital, or both. So take your pick, uh, whatever works best for your needs and, uh, and your budget. And also, don't forget to sign up for the e-newsletter so you can be up to date with some of the latest tips and uh, some other uh, useful information. We try not to bombard you guys with uh, a lot of uh, email blasts and things like that. We're very respectful, so uh, you won't have an issue when you sign up. But um, as I said, we're just going to wait for um, our very special guest. Hopefully, he should be calling in momentarily. Uh, just uh, reached out to uh, his agent, so we should be uh, getting a, a call in from him uh, in a few moments. But um, <clears throat> let me just remind everybody, too, um, we are live every Thursday evening here on Golf Talk Live. And uh, the best way to find us is if you want to listen to the live broadcast is go to uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. And every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, uh, you can find us there front and center. And it's a live broadcast. And um, for some reason, if you're not able to join us uh, during the live broadcast, if you go to that link, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, and just scroll down to the on-demand section. All of the previously aired shows, including tonight's, will be there after the end of the broadcast uh, in their entirety. You can listen to them then, as, as mentioned earlier in the broadcast. Uh, last night, we had a special encore presentation with featuring some of the folks from uh, Macklemore. Uh, you can go back and listen to that uh, sometime, maybe through the weekend, or even after tonight's show if you're listening live, uh, if you want to catch up on some of the interesting stuff going on up at Macklemore. But uh, Make sure you do that. Uh, it airs, it does air live every uh, Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, on this network. And uh, don't forget to also tune in. We'll be firing it up again next week, uh, last week, and the week before. Obviously, I was on uh, vacation, and uh, so we didn't do a Women of Golf uh, show, which also airs on this network. It's uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf uh, with my good friend, co-host, uh, LPGA professional uh, and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Uh, we host that and feature a lot of the Epson Tour players and other LPGA players as well as other uh, industry types uh, helping to elevate this great game, So, and particularly helping the women's market. So we're always happy to do that. So make sure you, Tuesday mornings that airs from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can listen to that. The same thing applies. You can listen live every Tuesday morning during that broadcast, uh, or you can go to that link, again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and just scroll down to the on-demand section there, and you can listen to that show in its entirety uh, as well, the recorded version. So um, lots of great ways to tune in, and uh, there's uh, it's available in really where anywhere uh, some good uh, podcasts are, uh, Spotify, um, iTunes, and uh, many other uh, places as well. So um, check that out, and um, it's, uh, it's a, a great program, lots of uh, – interesting guests and so forth, but um, just checked it out. So I'm getting a note here. Let me just, uh, as I see, he's just getting ready to, to call in. So we'll give him another moment here. And uh, nope, there he is. So let me introduce uh, tonight's uh, special guest. Uh, as I mentioned, he is the executive vice president of uh, Superstroke Golf, uh, Ian Zubkoff. Uh, and uh, he's been a, a golf industry executive uh, since 1995, dating back to his 13-year stint at uh, Nick Ent, and um, uh, he joined Superstroke in 2008, has been uh, seeing the company soar uh, to the top of the industry with an impressive market uh, share among putter grip brands. Uh, we're going to talk to him about a lot of different things, but uh, please welcome my very special guest this evening, 
uh, Ian Zubkov. Ian, welcome to Golf Hello. Talk Live. How are you doing, Ian? Can you Ian? guys hear me? I can certainly can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Oh, I, I certainly can. <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Um, excited to be on the show and uh, talk putter drifts. Well, let me let me first get you to do this. Um, I always like to, especially for somebody that's never been on the show before, uh, just to kind of give us a little bit of a background of, of what it is about golf that excites you and how you sort of got your start in golf. Not necessarily so much as as uh, a business professional in an executive in the golf industry, but just what drew you to the game and, and when was that? Well, I mean, when, when, I, when I was a youngster, uh, um, I did some caddying at a country club and uh, that, that obviously uh, got a little bit of juices going, but I didn't really pick up golf until I was in my uh, early to mid twenties. And, um, you know, a bunch of the guys that I worked with played golf, and I mean, I immediately got addicted to the game. So um, it, it was an immediate addiction. Um, you know, coming from an athletic background, having played tennis and baseball and basketball, I mean, um, I was pretty fortunate to uh, pick up a club and uh, be able to swing it a lot better than most beginners. <laughs> And uh, I thought I was better than I was. So, of course, it, I spent the uh, <clears throat> the next 40 years figuring out that I'm not as good as I thought I was then. <laughs> yeah, join the club. <laughs> as we all do. As we all do, right? Yeah, the, yeah we, always, we always think we're, we're a little better than what we actually are. So let me just – I just want to read something real quick just to give uh, people a little bit of uh, background here on, on Superstroke, just so they understand for those that are – um, you know, particularly new listening to the show tonight uh, for the first time, I want to give them. So what was really interesting is um, Superstroke was their, sort of their first milestone event happened back in January 2008. And six-time PGA Tour winner at the time, KJ Choi, uh, bought the original grip uh, from their infomercial that they had at that particular time and uh, began practicing with it for a number of months before he brought it out on tour. Uh, ultimately, he went on to win the Sony Open in, in that same January, and it was really uh, noticed uh, quite a bit. Um, and uh, owner-president Dean uh, Dingman uh, went out and actually bought out the company outright uh, soon after that uh, uh, sort of validation, and uh, it's been off and running ever since. So uh, it, it's had a, sort of an interesting background. It's gone up against a lot of the industry titans and just seems to have really uh, jumped up. So now uh, – you know, they've been sort of number one in, in putting grip uh, with its existing Traxion putter grip line. Uh, and now you've got uh, sort of the new Zenergy line that's uh, come to be. What's different about the two? You can give us a little bit on Traxion for those that are maybe not familiar with it, um, the success on that, but talk about uh, some of the new stuff going on. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, you talked about the beginning, and, and of course, when Dean and I, you know, got bought the company back in the latter part of 2008, beginning of 2009. I mean, it, you know, the the company was pretty small, right? Like nobody knew it, and grips right. uh, that were being made back then were you screwed them on with an Allen wrench, you didn't slip them on with tape and and uh, mineral spirits like you do now. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, needless to say, the company's evolved and. One of the things, just to kind of cover a couple bases for you, I think um, 
one of the things Dean and I set out to do when when um, when we got together back in 2008, um, we just wanted to find some way. I mean, he's as passionate about golf as I am, and um, our our mission was kind of to make golf easier for everybody. And how could we do that? You know, I mean, we both came from a club background. Um, and, of course, when you look at the landscape and you look at how uh, grips were back in 2008, um, you know, things have changed, um, I would say, you know, 180. You know, back then you really didn't go out and buy a new putter grip. If you wanted to change up your putter, you went and bought a new putter. You know, right. now we have... I think the better part of 40 different shapes and sizes and, and, and different metrics of, you know, two piece and 17 inch and 10 and a half inch and 13 inch. We, we just have so many different shapes and sizes um, for people to choose from. But of course that's evolved from, you know, 2008 until now, but it all came with one principle. And that principle was, even from the beginning, we wanted to listen to the players that knew what was what feel was and how they wanted things to feel. So really this company's kind of been built on tour feedback. Um, mm-hmm. And all those different shapes and sizes have all come from tour feedback. When I say tour, I mean the majority is PGA tour feedback, not that sure. we don't pay attention to other tours. Of course we do, but we spent the majority of our time in the early days on the PGA Tour, which now we're on all tours, pretty much all over the world. We have representation on all tours. But, you know, that feedback is crucial, and I think unlike other companies, you know, that may build a product and then go out and try to fit it to their tour pros, we listened to what they want and tried to make the product according to what they wanted. Yeah, and that's so important. And that brings me to this point uh, that I want to get you to talk a little bit about. So, you know, when you look at when look at the the various different grips that pros use. Obviously, I'm talking about super stroke grips. Um, they they v- range from a variety of, of players. So you've got somebody like say is Jordan Spieth and uh, Keegan Bradley and uh, say another pro Tommy Fleetwood. They use the grip differently. So how how does Superstroke process? Uh, how does that process help match the pro golfers with the appropriate grip design that best is going to fit their game? Well, I think you know we 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 have an unbelievable you know tour representation. Uh, a guy named Arnie Cunningham, who's the longest reigning PGA Tour rep on the on the PGA Tour, who has you know unbelievable relationships. And, you know, you just listen to what their feedback is. You know, like, okay, the right hand, they want, you know, to be, you know, less tapered or, or more tapered. Or, you know, or, I mean, you just listen to what they are and what they're telling you. And you're, generally speaking, going to be able to accomplish what they're asking for. And obviously, if you give them what they're asking for, they're more likely to use it, right? Right. Right, and, and, and so, it, you know, it's, again, the feedback is important. I, I agree. Um, go ahead. But, you know, I mean, you know, it sounds relatively simple, but people don't do it. People make their product and then try to go get guys to go play it. We, we, we take the product and, and, and kind of, you know, we couture it to, you know, to 
you know, it's couture to what they want. I mean, it's, you know, literally there's nobody else really doing that. Right. And I don't think a lot of people have the capability to do that. So, you know, when you see Tommy Fleetwood, you see him playing with an older version of a, of a grip that we use because that's what he helped, you know, put feedback in and likes. And he's, um, uh, I don't want to say stubborn, but, I mean, he's he's very set in his ways, what he likes to feel, and God bless him. I mean, you know, yeah. when the guy puts well, he's, he's one of the best putters on the planet. And then you look, like you said, to a guy like Keegan Bradley. I mean, Keegan Bradley mm-hmm. uses a wrist lock grip which has a flange right. on top that sets into your wrist, which allows you to lock your wrist up against the grip. And, you know, then you got, you know, guys, uh, I mean, lots of different guys. Like you said, Jordan Spieth uses a five-sided grip, kind of like a yield sign called a flatso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that grip is, uh, you know, that grip is designed to fit in the five pressure points in your hand and relieve all the pressure. So, I mean, those are three – you couldn't have picked three more different styles and shapes and sizes of the grips to compare than what you just did. <laughs> I mean, right, you, right. You, literally, you, you literally struck the mother load. And if you want to throw, like, Wyndham Clark on top of it and Ricky Fowler, who are now right. using a 17-inch longer – I mean, you're talking four grips that really have nothing to do with each other other than they're made of the same material and have a similar feel in your fingertips, which is from the material that we use. Well, and, and that, we're, we're going to get to that next, but, you know, that's going to your point earlier, um, you know, quite often people will just go out and replace the, the, the whole equipment. And you're really providing an option because you know as well as I do, um, and obviously sometimes pros will, will want to make changes, but a lot of times they'll find a club, a putter obviously particularly, that works. I mean, Nicholas played with a putter for years, the same putter, because he liked the feel. I'm sure over time he changed his grips, but works for them, uh, and suddenly the grips start wearing out or it's just not working for them for whatever reason. They don't want to have to go out and change the entire putter. So what I like about this is you have – developed an option where you're listening to um, your players and maybe, you know, let's say the grip that Tommy's using right now, two years down the road decides eh, this isn't working for me. You have other options that they can make those changes. And that's important to these guys because it's all about the feel for them. Uh, you know, look is obviously important. They want to see that that putter looks good to their eye, but more importantly, it's how does it feel to them? And if you're able to really match up, as you pointed out here a moment ago, uh, with these players, and again, a diversity of players because everybody's different. That's that's huge, right? Well, I I, I think I think you're you're and I, I think you're right on, and yet you're missing one point, and it, it's not any point that you would think of unless you were sitting where I'm sitting. Okay, and let me let me help right. you. How, how long have you yep. how long have you been playing golf? Thirty years. Okay, so fifteen years ago. Let's go back. Let's go back 20 years. Okay. Do you remember, mm-hmm. you know, you had a bad round putting, mm-hmm. you know, horrible, you know, what, what happened? What, ha- what did you do to change things? I mean, there was no option to go change your grip. Right. There was no, right. there, you know, what we did 20 years ago, um, you know, pardon the joke, but you know, the putter would fly into the lake. <laughs> You know, 
right? The putter would fly into the lake. You'd walk in the golf shop or you'd go to a thing and you'd buy a new putter. I mean, that's how putting was 20 years ago. Or you right. stuck it in the garage, put it on the bench. Um, you went to one of your 10 others in the garage. That felt pretty good that day. But the one thing they all had in common was worn out old slippery grips. Yep. Okay. And, you know, we saw this as an opportunity to, because, you know, if you walked into a, a golf store 20 years ago and went to the grip department, you might have three little spots where they had a putter grip and they were probably five ninety nine a putter grip back then. And it was a rubber, right. you know, you know, just, just a rubber, you know, golf ride grip. And, and that was kind of it, right? I mean, that was your only yeah. choice. I mean, now you can take one putter and have 40 different putters by putting 40 different shapes or sizes of grip on it. Yep. So if you don't like your putter, you can go to any golf store and pick any one of our 40 shapes and sizes and say, here, how does this feel? Oh, that feels way better. My hands, you know. And, of course, we, if you go to our website, there's a nice little questionnaire there that helps guide you towards what we feel like the metrics tell us would make a better grip for your hands. You know, you know obviously taking the data that you're providing, you know, it helps you if you go to superstrokeusa.com. It'll help you pick a grip, for example. But the bottom line is, Call it what you want. It's all about personal feel. You, you can, yep. you know, you can pick whatever one you want. And at the end of the day, you know, a guy with little tiny hands might love a huge grip because it relaxes his hand. A guy with, mm-hmm. you know, mammoth Goliath hands might might love the tiniest of our grips. You know, just because yep. he likes to get it into his fingertips. So. This is why we have 40 shapes and sizes and different lengths and two-piece and one-piece and 17-inch and 21-inch and 14-inch and 10-and-a-half-inch because this is not a common denominator that makes everyone happy, but we feel like we have a selection that should make everyone happy if you spend the time looking for it. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a very personal. You know, people don't realize this. You know, when they get club fitted and things, a lot of people, are, certainly not as much anymore, but for years, really overlooked the putter. They would just get whatever's on the rack, and like you said, the, the grips would get slick after a few seasons. Um, and you know, they just you know, if it wasn't working, they'd go and buy something else. Uh, it, you know, if they didn't already have one. Um, but now there's so many options out there for you to make those changes, and it's important. You know, as a teaching professional, I see this all the time. I'll see students, not anymore, but I used to see them because uh, I'll give them heck if they do, but you know, I, I'll see them with these worn out old grips on their clubs, but also one of the things I do is I don't just look at their regular clubs, I'll pull their putters up as well, and I'll take a look at them and I'll say, hey, wait a minute, this is not, you know, this is not going to serve you well on the putting surface. Um, you need to, you know, you need to change that grip as well. Um, so it's important. One of the things that you alluded to and I want to get you to expand a little bit on is you know, Superstroke makes phenomenal grips. I'm very familiar with them. Um, talk about the materials and the construction. What makes them feel so consistent and durable? Well, I mean, obviously, we spend a lot of time, you know, on R&D, you know, coming up with the right feel. And, and of course, we take that to the tour and take their feedback. And if that's too tacky or too slick, you know, we, we, we literally go with those, that type of feedback. And, 
our focus group comes from the tour. I mean, we're very lucky to have a plethora of the top tour players using our products. So they're anxious to always, if they can give us feedback to improve it, it helps them, right? So, um, you know, we're very lucky where, as you know, if you've been out to any events, I mean, it's hard for companies to approach tour players where we're in so many of their bags, they're anxious to give us guidance. So I think uh, we're very blessed that way. But I think, you know, when it comes to the construction of the grip, I mean, you know, we're obviously using uh, different types of materials with with different underlistings to achieve different feels for different size grips, a different weight. Um, If you also look at, like, you know, one of the things you asked me earlier that I skipped over was, you know, the traction series uh, we had until this year, which has been wildly successful. And, of course, we changed our line, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. because energy. Mm-hmm. And you say, why yeah. do you do that? Well, if you were already number one in the world, why? well, I mean, the answer is we found a way to make our grip better, if you can believe that or not. And we've been able to <laughs> enhance the material. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you look, you mentioned Dean Dingman. Dean Dingman and his team, you know, led by, you know, I mean, uh, a bunch of, you know, great, you know, scientific-minded guys who spend their days just figuring out what's better. And then, of course, you go to the top players in the world and ask, was this better? And they say, yeah, it feels great. You know, okay, well, you're on to something. But what we were mm-hmm. able to do is, take all that feedback and we were able to improve the grip, you know, four different ways, which, you know, look, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but obviously with us being number one in the world at what we do, it's hard to come up with something better, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's, it's not easy, but we really did this time. And that's why Zenergy right. has take, has taken off the way it has you wouldn't see those guys on tour switching if it wasn't better because they can play anything in our line from 10 years ago to 20. You know what I mean? They can play anything they want. We don't care. Right. You know, so when you see them switching, that's your switch as a consumer where you go, okay, it must be better if all those guys are switching. Right. Like, and we were able to improve it. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a couple of the bites that you're asking for. So if you look at the back of our grip, you know, there's a spine in back. We call it a spine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that spine before was sewn to be rather smooth, uh, even though mm-hmm. you could feel it in the back of your hand. Well, now we've raised that spine and gave it a rougher texture and made it a more definite feature. And the guys absolutely love it. And, you know, the consumer obviously loves it because we're selling more now than we ever have. And we just launched this line. So we're very blessed and lucky that, uh, you know, the consumers buy it into it the same way the tour pros are. But we also were able to enhance that grip, uh, you know, changing the texture to be um, a more friendly texture to where your fingers are going. So you see different kinds of textures in different spots and different pressure points. Um, you know, and that, you know, there's, those are the two most major things along with enhancing the material to make it the same material, but obviously it's evolved mm-hmm. into a better formula than it was before. So um, literally we 
we've 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 just had a crazy successful launch was energy we would have never dreamed it to be so successful but uh, it's been you know we've been very lucky and blessed yeah it's definitely a, a great uh, product and uh, understandably why you're number one um, so you've, you've got so many players you know Wyndham Clark you mentioned obviously Ricky Fowler um, what has been some of the feedback from them particularly obviously it was interesting uh, playing in the US Open they had the very same distinctive uh, superstroke putter grip. Um, what's unique? What you know? Obviously, there's some similarities that they've uh, adapted in their games uh, to be able to do that. But what's been some of the feedback from them um, that has, I guess, really benefited you guys? Well, I mean, to be frank with you, that you know what they share um, is not you know due to the fact you know those are not contractual players, so you know that's not something. That I mean, I wouldn't know exactly what Ricky or Wyndham or any of those guys share with Arnie. Uh, that would mm-hmm. that would go to the R and D department. So I unfortunately I can't speak to that. But you know, you you asked a, a great question. I mean, I don't think anybody realizes that Wyndham has that grip because he and Ricky went to the same school. You know, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. They played golf together in the off season. Ricky was putting with it. Wyndham said, "Hey, could you get me a putter made just like that?" And then by hooker, by crook, and the odds of the lottery, they end up in the final group together after those two, you know, <laughs> literally. Right. I mean, it, it's a crazy story that, uh, that that's almost unbelievable if you didn't know it was true. Right? Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's but, interesting. Uh, and, and again, go ahead. Sorry. You go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's okay. Um, what I was going to say to you is, you know, it, it's interesting because obviously so many players, and I'm talking about amateur players out there, really look to the pros. You know, they watch the pros, they see them, and, and, and take a lot of cues from that. You see people coming into the pro shops, you're seeing going into, uh, you know, whether they're getting it online, what have you. But, you know, they look at what the pros are doing and what's working for them. And, and you know, whether it, it's the right move or not, um, they want to emulate what they're seeing on television. So obviously I know you get feedback from consumers and that as well. Maybe just share some thoughts. What's the most common request, I guess, or, or uh, not so much about the well, let me, uh, let, me, let, me of, jump, let me Let me, jump in, let me, yeah, let me jump in here with, with, something, with something really unique, okay? So yep. that 17-inch 3.0, it's a 3.0 Tour 17-inch, which is what – those two particular guys were using. Okay, this is a, mm-hmm. a good little bite for you to to be able to share with your listeners. That grip wasn't even for sale to the public before those two played together at the U.S. Open. Now you say, why wouldn't it be? Well, there really was no demand for it, right? Like. Right. You know, we don't just bring grips out and try to force them down people. There has to be a reason. You know, like mm-hmm. our tour series and the shorter grips, okay, we had the 2.0 and the 3.0, and now people say, hey, we want one smaller, so we make the 1.0, and we want one bigger, so we make the 5.0. But that grip, you know, at 17 inches, just didn't really have any traction other than a few select tour players before those two guys, Okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, when a tour player asks us, hey, can you make me this grip in 17 inches? We do. 
even though we may not sell it right to the public. You follow me? So, yeah, I mean, you. you know, if you were a trip player and you came up and said, hey, I want this grip and a 22-inch grip, we would make it for you because if, you know, I mean, given the, the abilities of manufacturing, we would make it for you. So in that particular case, you're asking a great question because because of what happened with those two guys, and, you know, mm-hmm. Ricky's been putting off the charts with it, you know, for the past three or four months, he's been trending before he went on to do what he did in the open and eventually winning, and people were noticing it. That weekend, we had calls for by calls, and, you know, we, we put that on our website as um, an off-the-truck offering, which is some of the grips we sell or we make for tour players. We'll offer them on our website as we call it off-the-truck, but – Right. We, because there's really no demand. I mean, you can only put so many SKUs in a retail store. You know what I mean? So, um, right. But we had that on our website as an off-the-truck offering, which, you know, that's something people should do if they want to see some stuff that's not available in every store. You can go to our website and see the off-the-truck tab. And the interesting thing is, I think we sold um, on that Saturday alone, like, Three to 5,000 of them on the off the truck. I mean, wow. and, and, you know, of course we didn't have three to 5,000 in stock, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you know, but we took orders and, and we took orders from other large golf companies and other retailers. And then of course on Monday, uh, Dean and I decided to turn it on as an open skew that people could, could carry. And we sold tens of thousands of them in one day. Wow. So there's your answer to your question. You see how it comes around. It's like, um, right. you know, what they did forced us to put it in, into the line. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's interesting Easy. too, you know, I, yeah, I was on your, your website earlier and um, you know, what, what I also noticed was interesting as well is um, you've obviously got some limited editions, which I saw a lot of them were, were sold out. So, Obviously, were, was very very popular. Just some that I took off the top of my head was the uh, 2022, uh, sorry, 2023 PGA Championship at uh, Oak Hill. Uh, that was sold out. Um, you know, um, it, just so many of the other uh, products that you had there. Um, but what I really like about what you guys have done is you've got a number of obviously um, what you classify as license grips from uh, Major League Baseball, uh, football, and, and hockey, and obviously the military and things like that. Um, so, you know, a lot of people that maybe have, uh, and even the NCAA, uh, that have a favorite team or, or whatnot and like to sort of represent, you've got something for them as well. And I think that's a very uh, interesting, you know, I, I know other companies do things similar to that, but I think it's very interesting that you guys have, have, you know, sort of risen to that challenge as well, because a lot of people like to show their colors, right? Absolutely. And you make a good point. The difference between, like you said, there's other companies doing it. It isn't a super stroke grip. Ours is. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, just, um, no, it's you guys the same are... grip. Like you said, I mean, if you get the same size and shape, you know, Tommy's playing with, then you have it, but it may say Chicago Bears on it or Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Or, I mean, you know, we, we've got obviously a license to, to, uh, to do that. And you can mm-hmm. get those also um, at, at a lot of, at most of the retailers, you know, that sell our products. 
Um, and if not, you can get it off our website. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we obviously, you know, when you get to be a certain size, you are obviously looking for, you know, you get lots of requests from different, you know, venues for different things. And that was a requested item was, you know, to have collegiate grips and to have this and to have that. And so we, we try to accommodate the request is really where it comes from is more about us accommodating the request than us trying to build a new stream. What was, and this is for you personally, what was the most uh, so far for you, the exciting win on tour by a player using Superstroke? Anything come well, to mind? Well, I mean, there's been so, I mean, there's been so many, but, um, <laughs> you know, Pick my, one. my, my <laughs> it, it, no, no, there, there, there really has. I mean, you know, my, my most exciting, uh, the one I remember, you know, the clearest, you know, when, when Jordan, you know, Jordan went on his run to win, you know, those three majors, um, you know, there's a long story, which I can't tell you behind it that, uh, just cause it would take too long, but, um, you know, Jordan was, is a unique human being, um, we're very blessed to be involved with Jordan Spieth. And when, when he went on that run with the Flatso, which was a brand new grip and nobody had ever put it in play before him. And he went on that run. It, it was pretty special watching him, you know, just put lights out for practically two years in a row. I mean, you could pick any one of those, you know, victories, um, in, in, you know, the U S open, the, the masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those were really special for me. I mean, I, I, those would be my most special memories, but, um, there's been so many, I mean, you know, Wyndham Clark was, was a, was a pretty cool one just because yeah. Wyndham is such a liked person. I'm from Scottsdale mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Wyndham lives in Scottsdale and, um, I don't personally, uh, I've met him and, and what have you, but we're not friends or, or hang, hang out together, but, He's just a well-liked guy, and uh, it was really nice. Everybody around, you know, town was like, this guy's going to win. You guys don't realize how much game he has. And then, you know, for him to do what he did in the U.S. Open was pretty special to watch. And then, you know, watching Ricky come back has been pretty cool, too. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, he's uh, been a favorite of mine for, for many, many years, so it's nice to see him doing well again. Uh, as as well, um, and, and you know it, it's interesting. Um, you know when you see uh, sort of a, a difference, and like, as we talked about a little early on uh, with some of the different, you know, Jordan and Keegan and, and Tommy, uh, the differences and such, you know, and, and the, the ability that you guys are able to really match something. You know, unfortunately, with a lot of products out there, not just grips, but others that they're sort of off the rack, off the shelf and one size fits all and you know the importance of really fitting uh, each individual to the to match their own game is extremely important and a lot of companies haven't done that for a long time They're, many of them are doing it now but um, obviously you guys have, have been a leader in that um, what's interesting and I want to ask you this question as we get ready to to wrap up here shortly but um, you know as a company you guys obviously um, first and foremost you're, you're going to do what you can uh, to make uh, the, the experience pleasurable for your for your client but you obviously, as you pointed out, work a lot with the pros on tour and that. 
And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners probably thinking to themselves, you know, I see these uh, tour vans uh, showing up at the different events for different things. Um, and obviously yours is there. Uh, the Superstroke tour van is there. And people always wonder, what's it like? What's that experience like? Can you talk a little bit about that? It, from what standpoint? Well, just what, what goes on. You know, obviously the, the players come in and, and things. And so oh, what yeah. do you guys do? You. How do you, how do you so, make sure that the so players... Yeah, how do you make sure the players have what they need out on tour? Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, um, the gentlemen that we have on the PGA Tour. I mean, we have guys on every tour, you know, that, you know, that work the tour for us, right? But the particular person uh, we have on the PGA Tour, Arnie Cunningham, um, he's, he's just, you know, a long-standing fixture on the PGA Tour that guys trust. And um, Arnie has his way. Um, you know, he bases out of, uh, out, of, out of Scott Garrison's, you know, tour truck that we sponsor. And, mm-hmm. you know, guys just literally are switching every week. We get a report, you know, from Arnie, you know, this guy went from a 1-0 to a tour size, to a tour to a two-point. I mean, they're just always fishing, you know, trying to catch bigger fish. And you can't blame them. Right. You know, they – and if you saw the reports of how many times people change, I mean, you'd be yeah. shocked. You know, guy guy goes out and wins a tournament, and the next week he changes grips. It's like, what, what are you doing? But you know, right. obviously he thought, you know, he thinks he's onto something uh, that'll help him, you know, correct his stroke or, or make his clubs feel better in his hands because, you know, it it is an ongoing experience. But, you know, I've spent uh, um, not an elaborate amount of time, but enough time out on tour with Army and helped, uh, you know, garner that process along a couple times with him. Specifically at the Phoenix Open, I go out and share time with him and uh, support him. And it's a unique experience watching these guys work through the series of how they want to work through a new grip. You know, it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, and yet, if you're not there to take care of their needs at that moment, you're you're done. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's they need immediate gratification <laughs> right. or immediate nullification. You know, they make that move, it doesn't feel that way. Okay, switch it back to the other one. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it can yep. go either way. But the bottom line is, if you don't have it there and have that plethora of different sizes and shapes to be able to back it up with, you know, which is hard to do. I mean, it's expensive to have 40 different shapes and sizes and, you know, thank God the people support them all, but, you know, that's why you don't see many people. It's not really affordable unless you're doing a lot of business. Right. Right. Exactly. What, what is some of the, I mean, and, and you obviously see a lot of the numbers and the stats and things like that pertaining to your products and that, what are some of the more popular, like, for instance, I mean, obviously there's certain um, products that are more popular than others, but are you seeing certain trends? Like as an example, you know, you've got a standard length and an extended length. What seems of the two of those two, what's the more popular? Is the standard still pretty much the standard, no pun intended? Oh, standard, or are you standard, seeing more you know, of them? Basically, stand, yeah, yeah, the standard's like, you know, 10 and a half inches roughly, right? Right. And, and that's mm-hmm. by far, I mean, we make, I don't know, what is that, uh, you know, 25, 30 different sizes of a standard length grip, different shapes and sizes of it. 
when I say sizes, I mean, you know, large, small, medium, you know, um, and there's different, you know, setups where you got FASO, Tour, Pistol. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's the trends. I mean, you know, we have, like you said, a five or six top selling SKUs, but those other peripheral SKUs, you know, even though they're not our top five or six, probably still outsell other companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. so we sell a lot of different shapes and sizes, even though, like you're saying, you know, just to give you a, a few of the uh, the main ones. So like the Tour 2.0 and 3.0, mm-hmm. the Flasso 1.0, which is what Jordan uses, the, the Pistol Tour and the Pistol 1.0 and Pistol 2.0, those were all widely used on the tour. Now the 17 inch, um, the wrist lock, we may have named off seven that are top sellers for us. Wow. Amazing. And they all sell a and lot, that, right? Like right. Go ahead. Right. No, no, of course I, I have no, I have no doubt they sell a lot. Um, it, it's just interesting, you know, because you, you see, you know, and I hate to use the word trends, but You'll see for a while, you know, pros will, you know, you might see a few pros moving in one direction and then all of a sudden you'll see, uh, and imagine you guys obviously see this when you look at your stats, but, you know, you'll, you'll see a player or two players come out um, and they're making some changes and obviously ultimately having success. So you'll all of a sudden see, do you see a lot of that happening as you look back over the last few years where, um, and I guess obviously this is why you've got, you know, 40 or so different options, but where, you know, players will sort of trend together, um, like blocks of players, if that makes sense. You know, they'll go to one direction, one, you know, one season, and the next season they're kind of filtering back, almost like how you would have with um, uh, clothing and things where, the, you know, the styles come back. Do you see that kind of thing happening uh, at Superstroke as well, where people will trend in one way, maybe for a season, and then they start to trend, or is it much faster turnaround than that? No, I think, I think you know, most of what you see from us is kind of a standard out there. So all of those shapes and sizes are known by all the players, and they know they can rotate within them and try all these different things. But, the, you know, to, to, to agree with you, uh, on one point, you know, like you just see this 17-inch 3.0 thing come out of nowhere. So now you've got right. – you probably had – a hundred different tour players between the different tours all run out and try that 17 inch grip because you just saw three guys win with it over the last four weeks. I mean, it's like, right. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to say, maybe I should see if that feels good to me too. Right. Well, and that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's the point I was getting at is, is you know, do you see a lot of that happening, players, where, you know, a couple of players, two or three players will go out and have success with a specific product of yours, and then all of a sudden it starts to trend uh, until, the you know, the next one that, that somebody, two or three players, uh, you know, grapple with and, and suddenly have that. And I was just curious to see if, if you've noticed that as well, and obviously uh, uh, that has worked very well no for question. you guys. No, yeah, no, no, no question, no question. After a big win, you know, um, you'll see guys gravitating, even if it's two or three guys gravitating to a, a size that was just used to win, you know. Um, so we see that a lot. It, 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 you know, the numbers are always 
a spike the week after a win. Um, yeah. They, they, you know, obviously the, you know, I think we've won six out of the last seven or seven of the last eight. So that spike just has continued, you know, and, you know, it was a lot bigger spike because there was something abnormal there. That 17 inch grip was abnormal as far as the tour knowing about it. Right. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wanted to try it and find out why can't I putt like they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a million reasons why, but yeah, I get you. Um, as I said, as we get ready to, to wrap up, any final thoughts that you want to uh, leave with the audience and then let's give them the information again uh, for them to uh, get their hot little hands on, on uh, some Superstroke uh, products? Well, I mean, you know, obviously the audience can go to superstrokeusa.com, uh, just like it sounds, superstrokeusa.com, and, you know, all our stuff's available and some unique things that you can't get anywhere else but our website. But every golf shop, I think on the planet, uh, you know, barring a tenth of a percent, you know, carry Superstroke or can get it. And um, we strongly suggest you go to your PGA or your, you know, your PGA Superstores, your Dicks, your Roger Dunn stores. I mean, any, any of those stores have a plethora of products to choose from. And uh, we're anxious to help have those guys help, you know, get people fit and, and get them onto the, the right track. And, and we just like to thank all the consumers and thank uh, you for having us on the show and, you know, for supporting our brand. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate having you on as a guest, and it's been fun, uh, interesting to hear a little bit more about your products. And obviously, uh, as you mentioned earlier at the top of the show, uh, they want to take the quiz to make sure they're getting fitted and, and getting the best recommendation, and that can be done on your website as well by going to superstrokeusa.com. Uh, Ian, I want to take this opportunity again to thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's uh, been interesting uh, to hear some of your perspectives and hear uh, what some of the pros think about uh, Superstroke. And obviously, uh, you guys are number one for a reason, and uh, I, I don't see that changing, uh, certainly in, in the near future or in, even in the long future. But uh, thank you very much for taking time. Uh, uh, I guess it's afternoon or late afternoon for you, early evening for me. But uh, thank you for taking time and joining me on Golf Talk Live. And again, the website is uh, superstrokeusa.com uh, all of their products are there plus many we didn't talk about here tonight uh, and also you can take the quiz to make sure you're going to get the, the right product for you so thank you very much Ian for, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live it's been a pleasure thank you thank you I enjoyed my time here thank you alright you have a great evening and uh, much continued success thank you appreciate it bye bye alright nope bye bye that was uh, Ian Zubkoff the executive vice president of Superstroke Golf Uh, sharing a little bit of his thoughts and and a little bit about their product. Um, Best way to go and uh, check it out is go onto their website. All of the information is there. Uh, Lots of other things, as I said, we we didn't get a a chance to talk about. It's just too much uh, to be able to get it into this time. But uh, go and check out uh, not just the grips. uh, They also have grips uh, for clubs, uh, not just putter grips, but club grips as well, and get a little bit more information about off-the-truck products as well. But they've got many, many uh, different options there, and check out if uh, again if you've got a favorite team, whether it's a baseball, hockey, football, uh, whether you're a military uh, or uh, maybe a, a NCAA team, uh, and you're a big supporter, uh, you might want to think about uh, uh, getting some grips to uh, support your favorite team. But all of that's there, uh, and some information about some of the pros that uh, they're working with as well. But uh, anyways, check them out at superstrokeusa.com. 
And on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up for another evening here on Golf Talk Live. I'll be back next Tuesday with my good friend, uh, LPJ professional Cindy Miller, as we get ready to uh, get a new Women of Golf show started. And uh, we'll be uh, speaking with uh, another Epson Tour player and uh, some more surprises for you as well. But on that note, thank you very much for tuning in tonight. Again, a special thanks to John Decker and Sue Weger for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. And again, a special thank you to Ian Zubkoff, uh, Executive VP for Superstroke. So thanks, guys, uh, for bringing your best to the show. I appreciate it. And I'll see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.